This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at the Bank St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. I had kind of, if I had too much cheese last night, if I didn't have any cheese last night, but I had a very weird, like, I went a weird dream. It was a kind of power, like a dream. And I had this dream, I was running around grabbing people, saying, don't you realise all the authority you have? That was a dream I had. It's like, I was just grabbing everyone I could. Don't you realise all the authority you have? Uh, and it's kind of connected, really, what I felt I wanted to share with you this morning. Uh, just this sense, and as you know, we've been away for the last week, and I remember in Smith Wigglesworth reading a lot of his sermons, and the thing kind of struck you about that was he just moved. He had an incredible awareness of authority. He just knew the authority he had. And just reading through, the, again, the book of Acts, and you kind of think, really, the book of Acts only covers 30 years of church history, really. Uh, and you kind of realise, they never had all the things we have, is that right? They never had all the kind of, not that this stuff is wrong, all the stuff we have, but one thing they did have, was a realisation of authority. Silver and gold have we none. But in, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. They knew the authority they had. So I just want to share a little bit about that. But really, I want to talk about feet. All about feet. That's the, team, the theme of this one. All about feet. And you'll see how that kind of fits in. Believe it or not, somehow it does fit in. I'm hoping it will. So anyway. Anyway, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. This is the first ever prophecy, really, in the Bible. The first real prophecy in the Bible. Genesis 3, verse 15. It's the first real prophetic prophecy that God declares. Genesis 3, verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Oh, cool, I just love that. So that's the first ever real prophecy that, that we find in the scriptures. And it says really, his son Jesus shall crush the head of the enemy. You know, the most vulnerable place on a snake is its, is its head. You stamp on its body, you stamp on any part of the snake and it's going to come back. It's not going to actually kill it. You know, if someone said, how many like snakes? I mean, I just, how many, I just don't, how many, I just don't like snakes. How many don't like, someone said, I remember someone saying, the only good snake is a dead snake. And I, you know, I'm not, I don't like snakes. How many like snakes? I don't know. Okay. Uh, in fact, I remember somebody we used to visit years ago, they had a bow constrictor in the house. Okay. But anyway, uh, we get this, there's this prophecy. And it says that, that the snake, because the head, really, of the snake, that's where the poison is. And it's this picture of Jesus the Messiah, really. Jesus the Son of God. And he says he's going to put the foot right on the devil's head. He's not just going to step on it, the Bible says, but he's going to crush it. And just before the final victory, the snake will bite the heel. And that's a picture of Jesus on the cross. That when he died, the injection of sin and death was placed upon him. He took our sin, he took the enemy's bite, if you like, 
And as one last parting shot, Jesus totally defeated him. Because it says that really, Satan is under our feet. And Jesus crushed the head of Satan. Crushed his head. Totally defeated him. Can you say amen? Totally crushed him and defeated him. And so I want to just think of this idea as we think about feet. You know, we are really unique. We are basically humans are the only mammon, if you like, that, that stands upright. I don't realize that. The only one that stands upright. God gave us the ability to stand. In fact, the Hebrew word for man is one who looks up. When we, li- when we look up, we lift our hands in praise. When we stand on our feet, we walk on our feet, we run on our feet. How much of interest? Is it just me? Why is everywhere you go at the moment, people are running? I mean, we have found that recently. He says, wherever I drive, everybody seems to be running. I don't know if I'm being challenged about that, but everyone else, everybody seems to be running all over the place. I don't even notice that. No, probably just me, but probably feeling convicted. But everyone just seems to be running. But on your feet, you walk, you run. You know, we stand on our feet. Do you know this? There are 52 bones in your feet. How many knew that? Okay, 52 bones in your feet. 25% of, which is 25% of your body, all the nerves that run through your body, also run through your feet. And feet are completely unique to mankind. The biggest man in the world is 8 foot 11, and his shoe size is 37. <sighs> okay, that's, that's a big feat. And have you notice, a lot of our culture talks about feet. You know, things like, don't have cold feet. I read that one. Or keep your feet on the ground. Isn't that a crazy saying? Keep your feet on the ground. Where else are you going to keep your feet? Never thought about that. Keep your feet on the ground is one. Or don't put your, you know, oh, I put my foot in my mouth. How many have done that a lot? (laughs) Or don't step on people's feet. So the whole culture, really, so many things are kind of connected to us. And faith actually, feet actually, present faith. So, we turn me to Joshua chapter 1, as we just think about the, the effect of feet, what the Bible has to say. And feet represent faith. Here's the first one, and Joshua 1, here's the first thing about feet, connected to faith, is it's a picture of claiming. Joshua 1 verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I said to Moses. The book of Joshua speaks more about feet than any other book in the Bible. And really, it's it's a book of warfare. And it speaks really of, of claiming things with your feet. In Bible days... Transactions were done with sandals. That's how you actually, you know, you didn't have contracts today like you're contracting for property and land. You use sandals. So when you actually made a transaction of land and you gave a land over to someone, you made some legal transaction of your land to someone else, as a sign of that, you would give them your sandal. That's saying, I now give you possession of that land. Every 
property your foot was placed upon was yours. When you walked on it, you owned it, and you gave your shoe, that was your title deed, you know. You see my title deed, someone's sandal, that was the, that was the title deed of, of the property. And the Hebrew people recognized the power of the foot to, cl- to claim. Talking about Caleb, I've seen about this just as many have talked about Caleb. I was thinking about Caleb. And the Bible says that Caleb, 45 years before, had come on a mountain. And he claimed that mountain 45 years ago. And he says, I claim this mountain. And he says, now I want you to give me my mountain as my possession. He'd been 45 years of age when he first put his foot on it. And now he was 85 years of age and says, I want my mountain. And the Bible says that the God Joshua said to him, if you kill all the, you kill all the giants, you can have your mountain. We know the story, he had his mountain, 85 years of age. He claimed his mountain. And there's really the picture. This picture of claiming. This picture of, of, of where you place your feet, you claim. That doesn't mean you walk around your neighbour's house and say, you know what, I'm claiming this house. Or, I love their car. I'm going to claim their car. I'm going to walk around their car and I'm going to claim it. But I think we can walk around our neighbourhoods and start claiming our neighbourhoods for Jesus. Amen. I think that's a great thing to walk around your neighbourhoods, walk around your streets and begin to claim them for the Lord. Go into your offices and your workplaces, claim them for the Lord. Begin to, begin to, to claim these things. Claim your loved ones. Claim your friends. Claim those prodigals. Claim back those things that the devil stole from you. I want you to read a great verse. It's Isaiah 45, verse 3. And it's a great picture of this. I, I kind of think, this is my own personal view, I think there's a lot of unclaimed blessings that the devil has stolen from us that we've never claimed back. And there's this beautiful picture in Isaiah 45 and, the, and verse 3. It says these words. Great promise. I will give you the treasures of darkness. The hidden riches of the secret places that you might know that I am the Lord. Those unclaimed blessings that often we've allowed the enemy to steal from us, the healings, the provision, the breakthroughs, I would encourage you in these days to begin to stake your claim. Amen? Begin to stake your claim. Begin to claim those things that the Lord has made available to you. Next thing is, it's a picture of, because faith, how many know faith always takes commitment? We claim things and also we have to make commitments. Joshua 3, go back to Joshua 3 verse 15. There is another Interesting situation. Joshua 3, verse 15. And those who bore the ark came to Jordan. And the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water. 
For the Jordan overflows its banks during the whole time of harvest. It's interesting. There's certain times of the year where, where that river was literally, you could kind of just wade through. It's very, very, very low. But at certain times of the year, it flooded. That river actually got to the point where it's almost a, a mile long. Isn't it interesting? God waited to that point. That's the point. That's the moment he told them to cross it. When he was at his highest point. What, to, what they had to do? They had to, first of all, that river stayed there until, firstly, they kind of put their foot in it. And the moment they put their foot in that river, the river parted. Isn't that awesome? And I just think so often a part of faith is that sometimes we've got to take steps of faith. We've got to take steps of faith. Maybe you want to see someone, one for the Lord. Maybe your step of faith is maybe to invite them to church. Maybe someone comes to you who's sick and not well. Maybe your step of faith is just to pray for them and say, can I pray for you? Can I, can I pray for God to touch you? I think God is looking often for us to take that first step of faith. Because often... We're waiting for God, but I think most of the time God's waiting for us. Just to take that first step. And the moment you take that first step, sometimes we can't see all the provision there to begin with. We can't see possibly how God can work and move in those circumstances. And often we, we base so much on what we see, on the circumstances, on, on the problems, on the issues. And God says, if you would just take that first step, then I will come. And I'll back up that step of faith. How many have found that some of your greatest moments in God are where you've stepped out of your comfortable zone and you've done something for the first time? Maybe when you prophesied for the first time, it's like kind of stuttering lips. You, kind of, you, you spoke out a word and you, and you could hardly speak it out. You're stuttering. But something awesome and powerful came from those words. Maybe the first time you ever witnessed to someone was like with fear and, and uneasiness. But you stepped out your comfortable zone and God used it and God blessed it. And you'll find that some of the greatest moments in your life are moments when you stepped out and you did it for the first time. You know, the problem is we can get so easily comfortable with things that we get accustomed to it. And God says, I want you to constantly keep stepping out. Whatever you're doing, keep stepping out. Keep taking those steps of faith. Because that's how you keep your walk with God alive. That's how it's vibrant. That's how it's exciting. Constantly taking steps of faith out of your comfortable zone. That's how everything becomes exciting and vibrant. You know, our Christian lives should be so exciting, so vibrant, so alive. We heard earlier that we've got the God of all creation with us. Working and moving on our behalf. So... Why should we fear when we take that step of faith? Because he is going to be with us. Can you say amen? Isn't that awesome? Here's the next thing. Consecration is another level of faith. Joshua 5 verse 16. Take your sandal off your feet or foot. For the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. God says, that's, 
He says, where you're standing is my property. You need to take your shoes off. In other words, taking your shoes off was, was a picture, really, of submitting yourself to God. Have you noticed that many times in the Bible, they're often, before Jesus did an amazing work in someone's life, they threw themselves at his feet. Have you read that story? So many stories like that. Because it's all about learning to submit yourself to God. Throwing yourself, submitting yourself to him. We'll never know faith until we know the key of submitting to him. And I'm just wondering this morning, are there things that you're struggling with? Things that you know the Lord is putting his finger on in your life. Things that God's calling you to submit over. Things that you need to let go of. Maybe bitternesses. Things that you need to let go of. Your plans that you need to submit to God. Relationships that you need to submit to God. And out of submission to God, he does the most incredible, awesome things in your life. I honestly believe with all my heart, the key to so much is a word we don't hear very often today, but consecration. And that word consecration means setting yourselves apart for God fully. God, I just give myself unreservedly and completely to you. And out of submission, out of consecration, God begins to do the most amazing things. Paul said, I've been crucified to this world. This world no longer has a pull on me. I'm no longer gripped by the values and the systems of this world. It's no longer got a grip and power over me. I've been crucified to this world and the things of this world. It's not a pull on the grip on me. The Bible speaks about walking worthy of the Lord. If I can still use that kind of picture of feet, in other words, we should stand out. We should stand out from everybody else around us because we're set apart. We're given fully to Him. And out of that, our lives just reflect and shine out for Him. Can you say Amen? Joshua 6, verse 3. There's this interesting story, Jericho, where they had to march around. Because part of faith is marching around. It says in verse 3 of Joshua 6, You shall march around that city, all you men of war. You shall go around that city once. This you shall do six days. Now, Jericho is basically a mile around. And so for seven miles, they walked around that city. I think they kind of realised how impossible it naturally was for that city to fall. And I think there's a picture here of consistency, of keep praying, keep loving, keep giving. The trumpet, what it says when they say the trumpet, speaks of praise, so keep praising. Even when outwardly nothing seems to change. When outwardly nothing seems to be changing. You keep praying. You keep praising. You keep loving. You keep obeying. You keep doing what you're doing. And eventually those walls will begin to fall down. Can you say amen? They will begin to be demolished. It's interesting. I was reading about Young Chow, And I kind of love this principle that he has. But he's got this, he calls it Jericho prayer. 
And if people in the church have an amazing challenge or amazing difficulty, something that seems impossible, all the cell groups gathers together and every day they bombard heavens for seven days. Every day for seven days. They all get together and they bombard heavens for seven days. Isn't that awesome? And they found every time they've done that, they've seen amazing results. When they bombard heaven in that way. They've seen so many breakthroughs. And I'd encourage you to get together with someone. Be your wife, could be anybody. You're just going to get together and you're going to face, you're going to get someone in agreement with you and for seven days you're going to bombard that problem. You're going to hit that problem together with someone in agreement with you. And I guarantee if you did that for seven days completely continually, you would see amazing breakthroughs. Isn't that awesome? There's something about seeing the breakthrough as you get and connect with someone to do it. Okay, next one. Faith is also a picture of conquest. Joshua 10, verse 24. And we see these five kings that has been defeated. Joshua 10, verse 24. So it was that they brought out those kings to Joshua. But Joshua called all the men of Israel, and he said to the captains, men of Moor, who went with him, come near, put your feet on the necks of those kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. Here we see this picture. They chased kings, and, and these kings were all in the cave. They got them to lie down. And he said, I want you to put your foot on the neck of that king. And I was thinking, really, that's a picture, really, of five things I really believe that if we're to see God bring breakthrough in our lives, if we're to see steps of faith in our life. There's five things that often we need to defeat. Here's the first thing. is rejection. You ever thought about the fact that you... I was just saying, we were on the plane, we were on the plane yesterday. It kind of suddenly hit me. I thought, that's quite a selfish thing. Have you ever thought about this? I say, now when the mask comes down, remember that, have you heard that? And they say when these masks are, put it on yourself first before you put it on somebody else. Naturally, that seems really selfish, doesn't it? You know, you know, somebody's uh, gasping for breath and you feel, oh, I've got, to put, I've got to put it on myself first. But actually, it's the most sensible thing you can do because if you're gasping for breath, how can you help somebody else? Is that right? That's what they do it for. And I was thinking so often, how can we help a world that is so full of pain, so full of rejection, that if we're full of rejection ourselves? See, I think a lot of people live with rejection. And we need to put our foot on the spirit of guilt and condemnation and rejection and begin to claim our forgiveness. Begin to look to the cross. Begin to see the fact that Jesus was rejected so that you would be accepted. One of the songs we sang earlier was that, that Jesus wants to win our hearts. And, and there's something about an awareness that God, I'm accepted by you. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to earn it. I don't deserve it. But I know today I'm accepted by you. I don't have to live any longer with a sense of rejection. I don't have to live any longer feeling that, that I'm rejected and pushed away. I'm accepted by the beloved. And the key to ruling your life, I think with all my heart, will never rule over your life if you're full of rejection. Rejection will always be a barrier and wall 
to moving in faith and believing God. And the first thing sometimes we need to put our foot right on are the enemy's lies of rejection. You are not an you are not a rejected person. You are a accepted person. You're accepted. You're loved by him. And I think when that really grips your heart, then you begin to rise up with faith. You begin to claim things. Because often the reason why we don't claim things is because we don't feel worthy enough or good enough to ever feel that we deserve those things that God wants to give to us. And the way to come into the level of faith is to put your foot on that spirit of rejection and say, I'm refusing to accept her anymore. I'm accepted by God himself. And the cross is the proof of it. Can you say amen? Here's the next thing. Here's a big one. Stress. We need to put our foot on stress. Could be a bad medical report. Worrying about our kids. Fearful of the future. We need to say, God, would you release over my life an anointing of peace? God, I believe your word. I acknowledge you in all my ways. I declare that you are the sovereign God. I declare, God, the battle is not mine, but the battle is yours. I completely trust in you. I cast my cares on you. I receive your peace into my heart. And the more you begin to allow those truths to get inside you, here's the issue. There's a verse, I think it's Psalm 133. I never really noticed it before. But it's a beautiful picture. And it kind of came to me, with, I suppose, with Levi. And there's this picture. It says that, God, I'm trusting you. I'm like a child that's been weaned by my mother. It's kind of nice that when Levi's had its feed, peace descends. The crying stops. And it's like kind of, a peace descends over it. And that's the picture God says. It's a picture of a baby who's been weaned and been fed and been taken care of. And now the baby's at peace. And that's what God says to you. I provide for you. I care for you. I love you. And so you can be at perfect peace. You don't have to be stressed and worried. You can be in perfect peace. Can you say amen? Here's the next foot we need to put put our foot on. Bondages. Things that try to hold us. Things that try to control us. There can be things in our lives, if you like, where the enemy's got a, got a hook in. And we go so far with God, but he always pulls you back by that same hook. That same struggle that you've had for decades in your life. That same thing that pulls you back time and time again. So you can never progress. You can never go forward. You can never move to the level that God has called you to because of this hook. And I believe today God wants you to unhook those things. God wants you to know that greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Just to remind yourself, continually, the old man has died. And now I live as a new creation. I live in the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. And the enemy wants to make you think the old man hasn't died. He wants to make you think that struggle 
is defeating you. But if you begin to realise that actually the power of sin, the power has been broken at the cross, and begin to believe that, and begin to act upon it, those things begin to fall from your life. Amen. And you just put your foot on it. Because you believe in the power of the resurrected life of Christ in you. There's the fifth thing we need to put our feet on. I think these are things that are failures. Anybody in this room never failed? All of us can look back. I could probably put a few hundred hands. But all of us can look back and see areas in our life where we have failed. And often we are held back time and time again because of the failures of our past. Proverbs 24 says, A righteous man, even though he falls down seven times, will pick himself back up. I love that the film, I think it's yeah, Chariots of Fire. Remember that film, Chariots of Fire, where the guy's running. Why did he run in slow motion? I do not know. But anyway, he's running and he kind of falls over. And then he kind of picks himself up and gets up and runs and he wins the race. And, and there's something awesome about that. You know, when you read about people who have really succeeded in life, they're not people who've never failed. In fact, most of the successes that we know today are people who failed more than anybody else. The difference was they learned to pick themselves up again. They refused to allow their failures to stop them from succeeding. For example, Lincoln, President Lincoln, failed seven times in trying to become president. Coca-Cola, the first year of, the first, I think, first six, seven months of sales, they only sold, sold 20 bottles of Coke, which is probably a good thing, but never mind. <laughs> And you can see time and time again of people... In fact, there's a big talk there about Donald Trump. How many have heard of Donald Trump? You know, the fact is, that man went bankrupt many, many times. He refused often to allow his failures to hold him back. And there's our problem. We allow our failures to hold us back. In fact, the biggest failure of all is never attempting anything in the first place. Amen? And so let's step on failure. Don't allow failure to hold you back for what God has for you in the future. Paul says, I, I leave behind the past and I move forward. I press on. Christ Jesus, can you say amen? Turn with me to very quickly, Matthew chapter 40, verse 28. Picture of Jesus, a story of Jesus walking on water. Matthew 14 and verse 28. And Peter answered him, Lord, if you command me to come to you on, water, on, the, on the water. He said, come. And we, when Peter had come down on the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Notice this. It's when he looked down at his feet that he began to sink. Somebody once said, Peter, everything, where Jesus said to him, everything over your head is under my 
feet. Sometimes people say, you say to someone, how are you doing? I'm doing very well under the circumstances. Everyone say that. And the Bible says we don't live under circumstances. We rise above it. And I think we need more and more to, to realise. Let's look at one scripture, Luke 10, Luke 10 verse 19. Because this is a way to get a hold of, really, of all that I've said. But Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall no means hurt you. There's something about realising that actually we have been given authority over all the powers of darkness. Really, the devil can't steal your joy. You allow him to take your joy. He can't spoil your goods. You allow him to do it. That's the key. He can't do it unless we allow him. Someone said this, joy is the activation of your feet over the devil. I love it. A few years, in fact, it was probably about ten years ago now, Birmingham won their first ever trophy. It was the first, first one they ever won. The only one ever won. It's the only trophy they've ever won. In the first, first one they ever won. I was so excited. I just jumped up. I just, I remember jumping to my feet. It was almost the joy caused my feet to rise up. In other words, someone says, well, your joy doesn't notify your head. It notifies your feet. I remember years ago, there was this guy, he, he had a, such a severe heart condition. If he just walked to that chair, he'd be going, <sighs> totally out, he was totally out of breath all the time. He couldn't walk anywhere. And just in the middle of a prayer meeting, he suddenly said, my feet are on fire. So he said, my feet are on fire. And he started to run around the church. And he couldn't even do that. He ran out the church and ran around the building. He kept running. He couldn't stop. Remember severe heart complaint? And he ran and ran for... It must have been for about 30 minutes he kept running and running and running and running. And the amazing thing was when he stopped, there was no, he wasn't out of breath at all. And God did this incredible healing in his life. The Bible says, he makes my feet like hinds feet. It's this picture of a deer skipping over obstacles, skipping over all kinds of things before it just skips over it effortlessly. And I think sometimes that's what God wants us to be. To be like high feet. That we don't allow the obstacles and the problems to push us back. Well, we kind of skip over it. We skip over all this challenge, all the difficulties. We skip over them effortlessly because of the authority that God has given to us. Let me give you one more scripture. Let me close with this one. Ephesians 1, verse 22. I just want us this morning and nothing else to realise the authority that we have in Christ. See, when you don't realise authority, you tend to live a life that's very passive. You don't fight against things. You don't stand up against things. You don't rise against things. And you become passive. Because we don't see the authority that we've given to us. Let me give you this, this great verse here. What, Ephesians 1, 22. Notice the, the word all here. But he says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which 
is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You know, Ephesians is almost equivalent to Joshua in the Old Testament. And it's full of walking, of standing, and it's all about really so many things that are about the feet. In other words, when Jesus rose from the dead, he put all things under his feet. And the body is where the feet are. The resurrection of Jesus totally broke the devil's back. There's nothing left to do. The resurrection totally destroyed the devil's power. How many realise the only thing the devil has is his mouth? Michelangelo's got this painting. And it's a stone that's rolled back. And there under the stone is this demon. I love that picture. And the resurrection reveals to us the power that we have in Christ. Let me just give you one more. I said one more. Let me give you this scripture. You've got to have this. Romans 16, verse 20. And the God of peace will crush Satan under whose feet? Under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Under your feet. He's empowered your feet. I remember a famous preacher who was preaching in a meeting and suddenly had a vision of, of these demonic spirits at work in the meeting. And he cried out to him, he said, Jesus, what are you going to do about that? And the Lord said to him, I've done all that I'm going to do about it. I've done it all. You use the authority that I've given you to deal with. And I think more and more that's what we've got to learn to do. I think there's a lot of things that we can put up with, a lot of things that, that we just kind of allow to happen. When God says, I've given you the authority, I've given you the power to stamp on the enemy, to put things under your feet. And I think more and more that we need to learn to use our feet, spiritually speaking, to start putting those things under our feet. The Bible says, how beautiful are the feet. How many think feet aren't that beautiful, really, are they, really? You know, when you, fell, you, know, when you met your wife, you say, oh, I fell in love with her feet. Her feet were so amazing. I, just, I was overwhelmed by her feet. They were just so beautiful. I mean, nobody does, you know, you don't say... God, those feet just drew me, attracted me. I couldn't do anything when I saw the feet. You know, feet are not the most, kind of most attractive part, really, are they? But here we're told, how beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news. I love it. And we would say, God, allow my feet to be taken to where you want them to go. Allow my feet, just use my feet, take my feet to where you want them to go because I've got this amazing news that I want to tell people about. And we thought about when Jesus was crucified, the Bible says they put a spike through what? His feet. In other words, that Jesus died to defeat the things that want to overwhelm us, that want to come over us. He allowed nails to be placed through his feet so that we could overcome the things that want to conquer us, that want to overwhelm us, that want to defeat us. That's why he died. And Jesus says that we can really live a life that's under his 
power and his authority and begin to rise up and be the people that God wants us to be. Let's just stand for a few moments. Let's just come before him. As we think about the authority that we have in him, I want you to just think of those circumstances, maybe even loved ones, people that that you want to see come back to him maybe. Just feel this word prodigals. Maybe prodigals that you just see, they're just so wondered from the Lord. And in your heart right now, you just want to call those prodigals back. Maybe things that you're aware of, the enemy's just stolen from your life. You can look at things and you say, I just recognise right there, the enemy stole that. The enemy robbed me of, of that blessing. He robbed me of of that work that God wants to do in my life. There's a joy that's been robbed. There's been a a purpose that's been robbed. Maybe a dream has been robbed. A dream that God put in your heart, but through various things, that dream kind of got stolen somehow. The Bible defines them as treasures in darkness. I want you to right now start saying, God, I'm calling back the treasures from darkness. Those things that I know that you made open and available to me, and I want to call back the the purpose, the dreams, the, the prodigals, the, the things that, Lord, the, the resources, the things that the enemy's stolen. I want to call them back. The Bible says he, he's such a God of amazing restoration. He, he takes the ashes and makes them into something amazingly beautiful. He turns ashes into beauty. He takes the spirit of heaviness and gives us the garment of praise. Gives us the oil of joy for, for mourning and sorrow. It's just this amazing power of restoration that God does. But sometimes we've got to call out and claim those things back. And say, Lord, I'm calling it back. Those things are seem to have been pulled away from my life. Pull me from your will and purpose. I'm calling it back right now. Just lift your heart to him right now. Say, Lord, I'm calling it back right now. In Jesus' name. Maybe a purpose, a dream, something God placed in your heart. But something has been just pulled out. And the Lord says, don't give up on that dream. Don't give up on that purpose. Don't give up on that which he placed in your heart. But begin to step forth and claim it back for him. Hallelujah. Father, we just come to you right now and in a sense, by, the, by our spiritual feet right now, we place our feet on those things and claim back the things that the enemy has stolen, Lord. I pray for prodigals to return. I pray for loved ones to come to know you. I pray for dreams to be restored. I pray for purposes to be ignited again in people's hearts. I pray for spiritual gifts again to be released in people's lives right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we stood up the gifts within us. And we, we pray for the gifts that, Lord, have, have gone into, have kind of not been used. We, we stir those gifts up again, oh God. Lord, I, I stirred up the, those promises in people's lives right now. The promises that we kind of left on the shelf. Lord, I stirred up the promises. Let those promises come alive and come real in our lives that we would reclaim again the promises that you have made available to us. 
Lord, we thank you today that you've given us all authority in heaven and earth through your power, through your cross, through your resurrection. We don't stand in our authority, we don't stand even in our power, but that which you've made available to us through the cross and resurrection. And so, Lord, we would give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I may thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information, or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.